Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome in, Loons fans, to another edition of Loon Talk, the final edition of Loon Talk for the 2022 season. Jonathan Harrison here alongside Dan Terrar and AJ Fredericks. And boys, we're doing this early uh, just because we wanted to get it out of the way. Is sad night last night as the Loon season came to an end. It was a fun game uh, for sure, but ended not the way Loons fans would have wanted. Dan, AJ, how are we doing today? Uh, doing good, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of a late night, but yeah, let's let's put a... Put a lid on this thing. Yeah, you know, having a, a night's sleep to kind of let the feeling of a season-ending loss on penalty kicks sink in has only made the wor- like the feeling worse, I think. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it you know, it, you, you have that reflection time of kind of looking back and seeing it. And we can, we'll get into this, but, you know, there were, there was times where it probably could have gone to Dallas in extra time without penalty kicks or Minnesota maybe had instances they could have put it away in, in regular time. And um, you know, it's it's just, it's one of those things that's, that's sports where there's a million different instances in in that 90 minutes plus extra time plus penalty kicks where the smallest of things, the ball, you know, hitting a blade of grass could, you know, be the difference maker and uh, just didn't go the loons way. So the season comes to an end, which, uh, which sucks. Uh, that the season's come to an end because we don't get to talk more loans. We don't get to watch more loans until uh, the end of February next season. Training camp starting right away at the beginning of January already. So not a whole lot of time off for these boys. Good luck to them uh, getting a vacation in when they can. Watching the World Cup, obviously, over the next month and a half. That should be fun. Uh, but, boys, let's, uh, let's kind of recap this game. Then we'll recap the season. Then we'll look at the rest of the playoffs without the loons and then do an accountability session. So let's start with the game. Uh, It was a kind of, it felt like a nervous first half. Neither side really wanted to make a mistake. And Ja'Cory and Hassani said that on the broadcast last night, that it definitely looked like neither team was willing to go out and be urgent about scoring a goal because they didn't want to make the mistake that led to an opposition goal. But then the second half, Things started opening up all over the place, and Emmanuel Reynoso gets his goal of the postseason. A wonderful first touch by Bongi off a, a long pass by uh, Will Trap, but then Bongi just dribbles right into a crowd, almost gives it away, but is able to recover and dish it off to uh, Emmanuel Reynoso, who absolutely just lashes the hell out of the ball right past Martin Paz for the opening goal of the game. Boys, uh, that was a. It felt like that was a turning moment for Minnesota because it felt like they were kind of riding. Uh, a FC Dallas wave and then they get the goal and it felt like Minnesota were going to take advantage and keep, keep the lead for the rest of the match. Kind of, but we, we've been through that so many times this season that to me, it was like, yes, this is great. All right. Momentum. And I thought, Oh, wait a minute. I've, I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie and it's got a weird ending. Um, You know, my overall thoughts on the match were, you know, going into it, I thought, okay, we're going to see the, uh, the team we saw this summer that was just about unbeatable, I thought, well, what are the chances of that team popping back in suddenly? Probably not good. And, and you're worried, too, then you might see the team that we saw the last, you know, six out of seven matches that was awful. Well, what we got was somewhere in between. You know, we got a team that played hard, was competitive. It was, a, it was, a, it was an entertaining match. Uh, there were a few changes and flows in it. Uh, but, yeah, when Minnesota went up 1-0 in a normal situation, you'd say, all right, this is this is where we need to be, and it was where they need to be. But 
Uh, it just Dallas kept coming and coming, and, and Minnesota eventually got worn down. Uh, you get good goaltending that kept it close, but you know it was a match that you know anybody could have won right up to the penalty kicks. AJ, so I mean you can't again. You can't fault anybody. You just, you know, two teams that were very evenly matched, and it and it came down to penalty kicks, and you know, their goalie guessed better than ours, I guess, is about the way I look at it. So, yeah, and I like, like you said, I don't, I don't think there's really one person or any like a lot of games where there's a loss. It's like okay, this guy didn't have a really good night, and his actions clearly led to the opposition getting chances and all that stuff. Maybe was maybe like an instance or two of that last night, but I would say for the most part, Minnesota looked like they had they had their bearings underneath them. They had a game plan that they were trying to execute, and uh, and credit to Dallas because they, in the most part, I think countered Minnesota fairly well. A um, couple lucky bounces leads to a scoring chance for uh, Emmanuel Reynoso, and he slots that one home. Um, putting the the loons up one zero, and then eventually, you know, the, the tying goal later on off that corner um, for Dallas. But it, the the main thing that a lot of people are going to remember is that penalty kicks, and it's so it's so hard to expect a keeper to make a stop. So for for Para to to stop Will Trap, I mean that. When that happens, it's hard to think. Okay, they're going to be able to rebound and get right back in this, because most yeah. of the time you have to ex- you have to expect that the shooter is the one that's going to have to miss the net before the goalie saves it. Like that, mm-hmm. that seems like what is the case more often than not is maybe they get in their own head and uh, they put one over the bar or something yeah. like that. So um, I, every you know, nine of the ten guys put it home to win on a flashy panenka is cheeky. That just shows confidence right there. But um, no, it's, it's a tough one because I, I don't think they could have played. I don't think they played bad. Like I said, it's just one of those, you, you got to wonder if there was a couple instances where this leads to this or a couple passes together. Cause it looked at times that, that they were going to charge up the field on a counterattack and they had the numbers and all of a sudden just a chance was there and you could see maybe something develop and then, whoosh it was gone so um a couple instances like that but i i wouldn't say they played bad it's just uh, dallas ended up getting more chances at the end of the night dan sinclair was i think great in that they, yeah da- and we saw what dallas's defense was about They're, they've got a great defense yeah. um you know and that's why they they're uh, as as good as they are and that's why they were the number three team and um yeah dane sinclair, dane sinclair made some some really nice saves uh you know made all the saves he should have um He's been criticized a little bit about the couple of balls up at the crossbar that he elected to uh, redirect and give up a corner kick uh, rather than play it. Um, and and you look at those and yeah, you can see there's some merit there. But you know what? He was being conservative. He was not going to take the chance of of mishandling a ball and it ending up in the back of the net. So uh, yeah, he was good. The defense was good. You know, it was this was just maybe what this team. As as watching this match, it's almost what okay, this could, this maybe was kind of predictable. They would play good but not great, you know, and and that's kind of what they did. They didn't play well enough to go to the next round. Yeah, I think I think if you look at how people have been, and I don't want to like focus on this too much, but if you look at the people uh, that on the team that are being blamed 
right now for the loss, which, as you guys said, there's no one that deserves blame for this loss. It came down to penalties, and penalties are what they are. They're 50-50 crapshoot, and one team's going to score goals, one team's not. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes sometimes keepers are going to make the stop, stop sometimes kickers are going to miss the kicks. You look at the penalty kick situation the night, literally the night before, Austin versus Real Salt Lake, it was 3-1. That's how it finished up, and Minnesota and Dallas ends up 5-4. Like Sometimes the ball's just going to the back right. of the net, sometimes they don't, and the penalty kicks. It's a complete crapshoot, and it is what it is. You can't really fault anybody. Uh, people want to blame Will Trap. I think he had a fantastic game. He helped the midfield. He helped the midfield of him and Robin Lode really shut down a very creative midfield of Paxton Pomichol and Sebastian Legette. They had troubles all night long uh, kind of operating that offense. They couldn't find ways uh, of operating the offense, and Will Trap really helped uh, guide the team's defense in this low block and not pressing uh, and f- basically forcing Dallas to kind of break them down. And Will Trapp was a key part of that. And Dallas had a trouble troubles with that all night long. Dane St. Clair, you look at his stats. Jeff Reuter tweeted it this morning. Dane St. Clair allowed one goal compared to a 3.35 X, XG, expected goals yeah. against, which is incredible, or expected goals on target, which is incredible. That's an incredible amount of times that FC Dallas should have had a goal. And once again, it was Dane St. Clair standing on his head. Eight saves last night in a playoff match. Yeah. And that is a massive performance from a young kid who deserves all the credit in the world for the season he had. Absolutely stepped up into this team's number one keeper. Uh, made that decision at goalkeeper what to do with that position this offseason. Pretty damn easy. I mean, it's Dane Sinclair. You don't even think about Tyler Miller. You you extend, you extend take the option and trade him away. That's all you do That because Dane Sinclair is your keeper for the future. You, uh... That's what it is. After a season, if you're if you're blaming Will Trap for that loss, then you didn't watch one, the game. One, you've never played soccer in your life. Two, you should go be a Packer fan because you're confused. <laughs> you're confused, and you don't know much about it. So uh, that was one of the dumbest things I saw. It's like really, and and people want to be wanna, so stupid. The Heath out crowd obviously popping in once again, saying he thought it was a bad game plan. It was a fantastic game plan. They they all was, season it was long correct. this team. It was the correct game yeah. plan. All season long, this team had been growing and growing into becoming a high-pressing team. But they saw something against uh, Sporting Kansas City in the last match, where Sporting Kansas City did the same thing against uh, FC Dallas. They high-pressed him, and that's when Dallas was able to pounce and counterattack and find spaces. Minnesota decided, bleep that, we're not going to do it. We're going to sit back, we're going to have two low blocks of four, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to break us down. Minnesota's line of confrontation wasn't well or was well into their own half. They were letting Dallas have the ball well into their own half, and they were forcing Dallas to try find ways to get around him. It caused Jesus Ferreira to drop dang near midfield to try and get on the ball because he wasn't finding any space. At times, there was literally no FC Dallas player making runs against the back line. It was one of the easiest nights that back line has had in a very long time. This game plan was absolutely correct from Minnesota, and it just, like I said, it came down to penalties, and that's what it was. There's really no one you can blame here. Will Trap uh, probably could have taken a better penalty kick, but again, penalty kicks are crapshoots. You saw, yeah. you saw plenty of bad penalty kicks from Dallas that went in. It just happens. <laughs> yeah, but what, it just honestly how about, happens. How about Benitez with his blast? Oh, was did he laser? Some of those kicks were confident. Yes, you have to be so confident doing that, well, and he just goes up and laced the hell out. And of now it. we know why. Now we know why Adrian put Benitez in late in the match because we're kind of going. Hmm. Well, so that was clearly a part. That was clearly the reason for that substitution. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's basically our wrap up of this 
of this game. Minnesota lose. Yeah. They don't go on. Their season's done. I do have a couple questions, though, uh, going forward into the offseason now that we're here. Uh, we have to make that mindset real quickly. A uh, couple things that come to mind immediately. What do the loons for you guys do at defense? Because you look at their center backs, Michael Boxel, Bakai Debasi, and Brent Coleman. 34, 33, 32, respectively. They are all on the older side of this sport of that position as well, and you started to see it a little bit. Uh, You don't like seeing it, but Michael Boxel probably lost half a step this season. He wasn't as quick as he normally has been as we've seen him be in the past. He's still great. He's still one of the better center backs in this league, but his speed is gone. Bakai Debasi's gone for probably most of the season next season because the brutal injury he suffered in August. And Brent Coleman showed that he's a good fill-in, but he shouldn't be. He probably shouldn't be your full-time starter at the position. He's good in those moments that you need him. Um, and those guys, as I mentioned, they're all older. Minnesota needs to get younger at that position. It's not going to be easy this offseason. The cap situation probably isn't that very favorable towards bringing guys in. So that is, I think, for me, the biggest question for this team going into the offseason. You guys? They have to get, they have yeah. to, I don't know if they have to get younger, they have to get faster. Um, and Brent Coleman, the, those, the two in the middle, Michael Boxel, he's solid. He's, you know, he's going to be back. Um, but I think what they need to find is a, uh, a capable middle back that's got some more speed to, to offset Michael Boxel. Brent Coleman, he could fill in with a guy with speed as well. Um, so, you know, if Bakai does not return, they'll be okay if they can find some some speed up the middle. And like you said, that's not easy to find. Uh, your middle backs don't tend to be your faster players. There's a reason why they're playing middle back since they were in eighth grade is because they're not as fast as the other kids. So um, that's going to be tough spot to fill. But yeah, I agree. That's a position that has to be concerning. You know, the wingbacks with, with if Roman Metonair comes back, you've got some depth there and uh, that's a good thing. But yeah, yeah, try and find some some depth and and yeah, I think you really have to be looking for another starting middleback and someone with with a little more speed than than Boxel and Coleman. Yeah, and if you're gonna go the route to get younger, there you got to do it sooner than later while you have these veterans on the roster so they can bring in, really mentor them and like show them the ropes, show them those those seasoned you know tips and tricks and like. It, it, it's it, it's that veteran leadership that you need to have passed on of they understand the regime and they know the work ethic and you can really you know you when, when you get a young player it's essentially like a unchiseled block of marble and you're you're trying to find the player underneath and it, it you know it's kind of like a work of art uh, of art in a sense where the coaching and the training if you're not good at that, it's going to just be this unrecognizable glob by the time that you're done. But if you have the right tools and you have the right leadership in place and you have the right teammates there who can help assist in that development, you know, you, you get something where at the end of the day, that marble turns into a pretty rock solid defender, pun intended, where they're, they're going to be able to one, be younger and have a little more pace, which is, I think the big issue that we've already assessed on that back line, but you're going to have somebody who can maybe lock it down for the years to come and not just be a short-term fix where if you find somebody with a little more pace, but they're already, you know, pushing 30 years old or something like that, who who knows how long that can be sustainable. I think for, yeah, I, 
they I feel like they definitely need to get younger and they need to get faster uh, to improve next season at that position uh, because, like I said, you're going to be without Bakai Bossi for a majority of the season due to the injury he suffered and when it happened in the season. The other big question for me, and this has been a question essentially from day one since his team joined Major League Soccer, is the forward position. I think we saw enough of Luis Amaria that he has his moments, but he's just not consistent enough. He went ice cold over the last eight games, including the game last night in the playoffs, where he literally did not have a single shot at all in a playoff game in one of the biggest games of the season, and he's just non-existent. I don't think, and I don't want to say it, but I think it's the case, I don't think he's the answer up top for this squad. He had a great run of form, seven goals, two assists in 12 games when they were super hot. But after that, he just was a wallflower, just non-existent, couldn't find the back of the net, uh, barely had any shots, and I think they they have to find an option up there, up top this offseason. I know that's going to cost a lot of money, and that's another <laughs> big thing that they have to continue to do is, once again, bring in another forward. Can you do it? I would lean towards going towards MLS experience instead of trying to bring in someone from outside the league because this league, as we've seen in the past, can be hard to adapt to. Uh, it's th- It sucks that we're back here again because it felt like for the longest time over a couple months that it felt like Luis Amaria was going to be that guy. But at the end of the season, he just, he, he went back to the Luis Amaria we saw at the beginning of the season where he just couldn't do much. He, you know what? And, and I agree with you, uh, except for one possibility that if this team, you can, you can have a striker that scores 10 goals and he can be effective. If <clears throat> the guys around him, Fragapani and uh, Robin Lud or whoever it is, Bongi, are also scoring 10 goals. So yeah. you, can, you can score goals by committee as a team, and, and I like that kind of a team makeup. Uh, Reynoso, we know, can be a 10- to 15-goal guy next year. I don't think if he's healthy, that's a, a tall task for him at all again. He's got had 11 this year. So um, <clears throat> then I could see if they like Luis Amaria, if he's a good, uh, if he's a good clubhouse guy, and he's a good veteran leader, then then you keep him um, and maybe develop, try and develop some young scoring and and have some youth behind him. Uh, you know, is Garcia possible in that spot? You know, I don't know. They put him in there last night. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it'd be great to have a guy scoring 20 goals, but they're not, they're, they're, as we know from the last uh, six years, they're hard to find. And so I don't even think I'm asking for 20 goals. I'm asking for consistency week in and week out yeah. instead of just getting all these goals in a 12 match span. Spread that out right. over the season. Get me 15 at least. Mm-hmm. Get get up there with basically yeah. what you would expect your leading striker to get. I don't need 20 goals. If you get 20 goals, that's absolutely fantastic. You're one of the best teams in the league. So 9 but just doesn't just get, do it. 9 doesn't do it for you. Not for a guy who's getting paid well, DP like, level money. I understand who's yeah. who's being relied on week yeah. in and week out minute and minute minute in and minute out as this team's number nine, when you have the most creative player in the league in Emmanuel Reynoso behind you and you can't find a way to get a single shot, not shot on target, single shot in a playoff match. Yeah. One of the biggest the biggest match of the season, you can't get a single shot. That's that's troubling to me, so, real trouble. So are you saying that, that uh, he's, he's gone or are you saying that he needs help? That's a big question, you know? Yeah, I don't think he's gone because they just signed him last year. Right, he's on big money. He's not going to be on a designated player contract next year, so you'll have that flexibility. Right, but 
it's a lot of money just to park on the bench when you already have a tight cap situation. Right, right. So that's... You need him to do more, and you've already got some wonderful pieces around him that if you can get someone who's so con- as consistent as a 15-goal striker over an entire season, it's going to open up space for literally everybody. Like, Bonghukle Longwani is going to have more chances. Franco Fragapani is going to have more chances. It's going to open up areas for Emmanuel Reynoso, and if you can do that, if you can make it so Dallas doesn't swarm Emmanuel Reynoso every time he touches the ball with three defenders... Man, this team's going to be super dangerous, but you don't have someone up top who can do that for you. No, he doesn't. Uh, he, he gained some respect when he started scoring goals in, in that middle section of the season when the team was playing well. And, um, you know, he, he, he gave himself some room because of that and people. But, but yeah, at the end of the day, Dallas was not worried about Luis Amaria. Uh, yeah. they, were, they were worried about, you know, Emmanuel Reynoso, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. So. It's one thing to score like nine and not really be a factor at times. And then 15, if you're going to score nine, I need those nine to be in high pressure, <clears throat> important situations. When mm-hmm. do you want your striker to score goals the most? You mean like when you're in a, like a playoff high game? leverage, like a playoff game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't need one goal in a three, in a four, three loss on the road. Exactly. When you have half your team missing, Decision. I need a goal. I need a shot against Dallas in the playoffs. Decision day, winning you're in, I need something from you there. To not even register a shot in a playoff game. Yeah. I you you're the striker. That like that is what you're getting paid to do. In the reality of things, I'm Luis is gonna be back next year if I had to, if I was a better Yeah, he, I think he will. There's just not a like a logical way for them to make a transition. What I need from him though is I need him to like write down or just just force feed all of this criticism that I'm sure that that we're saying what I'm sure is probably going on in the the manager's office what other media outlets are saying where he needs to hear hey this, like you need to step it up next season and whether it's changing how he plays and even if you're being if you're going to score nine I need you to at least be a threat so that it's taking the pressure off Reynoso. So it's opening mm-hmm. up running room for guys like Fragapane or uh, for Bongi on the outside so that it's not such a, a funnel of, okay, we're going to go to Ray, and then he's got like one option. So we can just body him up, and that's going to sh- shut down that entire defense is going to, or that offense is going to come to a halt. You need to at least be a threat. I don't like, if you want to be a, a, a playmaker also, you know, almost drop back a little bit and whatnot, if you, you got to have to. You just have to be a little more into the game. Nothing in a playoff game as the striker is just ludicrous. Yeah, that's that's what that's what kind of sealed it for me was the performance last night or lack of performance last night. And then looking at the stats and having that confirmed, it's just I want more. I need more from the guy up top, especially if he's going to pay, be paid as much as he is on a team that's already up against the cap limit. You have to have more from him, and he's just not providing enough. Uh, the other question I'm most interested by is – what do the loons do at midfield before the injuries? It was a very stacked position, very deep midfield for this squad. And then after the injuries, it almost got deeper because of who had to drop back and become basically one of the star midfielders for this team. Robin Lode. Now it seems like is one of the midfielders for this team with Bangukle Longwane developing into a good, good enough right winger to be serviceable at the position. Robin Lode started there last night alongside Will Trapp. You have those two. And then once injuries are healed up and they're back, you have Ja'Cory Hayes, you have Asani Dotson. You also have the question of what do you do with Jonathan Gonzalez? You have Kervin Ariaga. You have so many guys in that position for a formation that generally only has two of them on the field at the time. What, what do you guys expect to happen 
at that midfield position that is stacked. It is deep, and there's a lot of questions as to what this team should and could and possibly will do with that position this offseason. I think it's it's unlikely that all those names you mentioned will all be back. It just it doesn't yeah. make sense, especially with the as you mentioned the formation they play. Um, I don't think you I don't think you want to be without um, Hassani Dotson or Robin Lud because of their versatility and their you know Hassani Dotson can go back and play middle back if there's an I mean, he can play anywhere um, and Robin Lud is I think the uh, the unofficial leader of this team I really do. I think he's the one the players probably look to when things are going bad uh, because he's so calm, because he plays at such a uh, consistent level. Um, you've got your emotional leaders like Emmanuel Reynoso and and some of the guys that are a little more fiery out there. And uh, But Robin Lud is just kind of the the uh, the calm force of this team. So I think those two are back. So then what? Then you've got Ariaga to figure out and Ja'Cory Hayes and uh, Will Trapp. So – it's a it's a good problem to have, but you know some somebody in that group might be uh, might be swap bait to strengthen some of the other areas that they need help in, which might be middle back and uh, might be striker. You know, you got to be good up the middle. So, AJ, yeah, it's I, I think Dan's point there is about Robin is fantastic, just because he does seem like a guy who. He he, ha- he almost has to be back, right? like regardless. He's going to be a guy that's in your team for sure just because of what he does, not only with his play, but just with what it seems he does emotionally for the team with his experience being a, you know, a Finland international, um, what, right center mid or whatever exact position mm-hmm. they, they line him up in. Um, th- there are a lot of questions. There are a lot of questions. Um, I, I don't have the right answer. Um, I think they have a lot of the tools in house to be able to like roll something out next season. I don't think the midfield is going to be their biggest concern. Like that's not at the top of the docket. I think for them right. now that the season is over, but it's it's something they definitely will have to address and have conversations about just to for the sake of finding the right personnel and having the game plan to make sure that come next season it suits their play style and it suits just like the, not to the formations, but just how hard they maybe want to press or, you know, be yeah, how they want to just have that play style with those midfielders. Because if it's guys who you're going to have to have play that box to box role, you're going to need extra legs because not, in, you know, we, we saw what happened with extra time guys are cramping up as you know, the, the minutes go by step by step. So if you're going to do that on a consistent thing with, especially we know how, how Adrian Heath loves to, play guys sometimes you know back to back to back with not a lot of rest when you have some of these kind of short turnarounds at times Um, you're going to need the personnel to keep guys healthy and you don't want to be in a spot where you see with a lot of teams one guy goes down and it's like a house of cards all of a sudden you're moving this guy into a different position he's not familiar with and that makes how you change you know your game plan and your strategies and all sudden things just keep crumbling and it just snowballs to much bigger problems than one guy being out for a week and a half with a rolled ankle yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. Plenty of questions, plenty of things that need to be solved ahead of the season starting up uh, at the end of next February. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what this team does. I'm very intrigued. I think they're one of the more intriguing teams 
in the league this offseason based off of where they are, where they expect to be, and the roster they have. They have a very talented roster for a roster that has a lot of questions still on it. There's still plenty of talent on that roster. So no one's saying here that everybody has to go. It's just there's there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Boys, let's uh, let's wrap up our discussions here about the league and the team uh, with a look ahead at the rest of the MLS Cup playoffs. Let's uh, start in the Western Conference where it now moves on to Dallas. They get a trip to Austin FC next Sunday and a very busy day in Austin. They got the U.S. Grand Prix and F1 there, followed up very, like, literally two hours later (laughs) with the playoff game of Austin FC hosting Texas rival FC Dallas in that one. That should be interesting. And then you've got LA Galaxy going to LAFC for the first match in the Western Conference semifinals and LA Derby. Uh, So four teams that didn't make the playoffs last year right. are the conference semifinalists in the Western Conference. Interstate rivals, none of them made the playoffs yes. last year, and now they're playing. That, that, that's a pretty good job of having parity in the league, I would say. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, MLS planned that one out nicely. I think, I think yes, they did. They, they do such a good job. <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think Austin survives Dallas. Um, Dallas's defense is good. Um, but I think Austin will find a way to win that one. And I think uh, LAFC is, I, I, I think they win by a couple goals. I think they, I think they beat Ooh, the couple goals. I think they You're beat that Galaxy. confident in them? Yeah, maybe one, something like that. I think it's a win. confident Galaxy side right now. It, it is. I don't but know I just, that LAFC are that confident, especially in the playoffs. They've never yeah, shown talent, it. Talent lives, talent lives, you know, talent is, it wins out. So that's, you know, Ricky Pooch is on some kind of heater right now for LA galaxy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against the former Barcelona kid who's got a giant chip on his shoulder after what Barcelona did to him. Are you picking the galaxy to win? Oh, absolutely. Until LAFC show me that they can get it done in a single, single elimination knockout tournament, which they haven't done other than the random mystical magic carpet ride tour that was the 2020 uh, CONCACAF Champions League down in Orlando after the season ended for both Liga MX and MLS. Uh, That's the only time they've ever had success in this kind of a tournament. Until then, until you prove it to me that you can do it, especially in a big moment like against the LA Galaxy, I ain't believing you. JJ, what do you think? I think think the West had a much more entertaining first round. Just with AJ, uh, answer the question. Um, I'm trying to avoid there. it. Trying I'm to tap getting, dance. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm <laughs> He's calculating what he wants to think here. Um, the Ga- Galaxy's win over Nashville, I think, is pretty impressive, and they're going to have that momentum moving in. We've we've right. seen just kind of what LAFC has maybe stumbled down into here and heading into the playoffs, and it, we, I don't. It's not the same sport, but you you saw what the bye week did, or the 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 the, the, fir- the free pass to the second round that we saw in the MLB playoffs, and. A lot of those teams just they they get out of that. Groove. Sorry, I fell asleep. You talked about baseball. <laughs> they get out of that groove, and so it, it's very possible that LAFC, right. despite having the talent that you think is going to live, they just might. It, it might take okay. them forty five minutes to really get settled in. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Galaxy maybe pot one relatively early, and then it's just a a hard fought, gritty battle to the end. But I I, I could see LA Galaxy right. with a two one win over LAFC. All right, I'll, I'll be yeah, out, that, I'll be that out first round number. That's fine. That first round buy is very tricky, as we've seen over the past yeah. couple of years in Major League Soccer. It really throws teams for a loop, and they struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, that's why I'm I'm not super nervous for Philadelphia Union because of how they ended this season, how incredibly yeah. potent their attack that is. Was a different story. But with with I'm not on Cincinnati, huh? 
I'm not sold on Cincinnati. No, neither am I. But I'm saying they're they're on some kind of run right now. They've got two guys who can't stop scoring in Brenner and Brandon Vasquez. Brandon yeah. Vasquez is just trying to show Greg Berhalter that you leave me off this World Cup squad, you are going to regret it. And I am all in on Brandon yeah. Vasquez making one of those random magical late runs into the roster despite never playing for it. Hercules Gomez did that back in 2010. I think that Greg Berhalter needs to kind of st- put his ego to the side and say, all right, Vasquez, you're on a heater. Let's bring you in. You're the most confident striker that we've got in the pool right now. Let's bring you in. And I think the playoff run for Brandon Vasquez could be good for him to do that. And I don't know. It's going to be – that's going to be – I think that's my favorite matchup in this next round. And I can't believe I'm saying an FC Cincinnati playoff game is my favorite matchup in a playoff round because of how bad they've been over mm-hmm. the past three seasons. But with how they're playing lately, I'm very intrigued to see how they go up against the union because you think about the coaching staff and the front office in Cincinnati. Now it all came from Philadelphia. If there's any team that's more prepared to play Philadelphia, I don't see one other than Cincinnati because they know exactly how that team sets up because they used to be that team. They used to be part of the coaching staff there and they drew in, in Philadelphia earlier this season. And then they kicked Philadelphia's ass in Cincinnati uh, later in the season. So that's a team that knows they have Philadelphia's number. You are very passionate, but are you willing to pick a, pick an upset? No, God, no, no, it's Philadelphia. (laughs) I am not. That was all great. But at the end of the day, I think we all think Philly's going to win. That was a great model. Yeah, that was only really, really state. good, but, yeah, so but you're wrong. <laughs> oh, I know I'm wrong, but I'm just saying I'm not going to be surprised if if Cincinnati pull off I would be. the ultimate of ultimate I'd be cup shocked. Sets. I would be absolutely shocked. Well, yeah. prepare yourself. It might happen because yeah. there's it's the bye week. What? I'm giving and, I'm giving Cincinnati a zero percent chance to win that game. Yeah, I think. Whoa, I think you're going zero percent. I think. 0%. I think at best for Cincinnati, they they keep it scoreless for thirty minutes. And then eventually Philly's <laughs> offense kicks in, and then it ends up three nil or something like that. Yeah. If I believed be like more in this take, if I believed more in this take that Cincinnati could pull off the upset, I would put all of my write that down points on the line for this. But I'm not going to do it because I still don't believe it. Yeah. But I want to just for the fe- the sheer entertainment of it. <laughs> what's the other, What's the other matchup in the East? Uh, Montreal hosting NYCFC, and that is a very interesting matchup as well. Montreal are playing really good soccer. Yep. They just dominated. Uh, Orlando and then New York city just dominated Miami. So those are two teams coming in hot, uh, Northeastern rivalry there between those two sides. That's a very intriguing matchup as well. Yeah. I don't, I don't, that one, I flip a coin on that one. That might be the best match of, of all, all of them. I mean, that could be an outstanding matchup. I, I saw the, uh, the New York match. They looked really good, AJ. So I would probably lean towards them in that one, but that could be a great matchup. Yeah, that that uh, NYC game against Miami was the the game leading into Minnesota mm-hmm. Dallas last night, and so I mean that's probably the one I I watch pretty much from front to back. Right, they they looked great. <laughs> they looked great. I mean, just yeah. the the ball movement, and they seem to just attack. I, I they they set it up to where once they like see their opening, they are relentless. So. Um, I, I think they are going to be a team that Montreal is going to have to really fight off. Um, that, that's one where, like you said, I know it's a two, three. And so Montreal is going to have the home field advantage mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It's a coin toss. I, I think I, and I wouldn't be surprised if New York maybe comes away with the win. Hilarious that they played their game, but the Yankees didn't because they typically play at Yankee stadium. So they get booted to a different facility. Mm-hmm. You and booted to Met stadium of, because of rain. They, they, uh, the Yankee Yankees Guardians gets canceled, but they go ahead and play and they pick up the win. Yeah. So 
Uh, weird weather last night in New York. Yeah. It's two baseball references in one show. This is too much for a soccer <laughs> show. I'm not comfortable with this much baseball being referenced on, on this show. That sport just bores the hell out of me. Uh, boys, uh, I don't, I don't know. This is going to be an interesting next round of the playoffs. Uh, let's let's put it on the table here. Who is coming out of each conference? Dan, I'll start with you. Uh, as far as uh, the uh, playing in the MLS Cup, yeah, I, I'm going with the favorites. I think it's going to be LAFC and Philly. Snoozer. I, well, no, I just, they're the two <laughs> best teams. Yeah, I know. That's boring. But uh, I just think they're the two best teams by far. So, AJ? I'm going to say Dallas comes out of the West. What? Did you not just watch no. the game we all watched last night? All what? 120 minutes plus 10 minutes of PKs. I'll tell you why, and I'll tell I'll tell you why. They're I'm interested, gonna, Dan. Let's mute our mics. Let's ha- let's let him have the floor here. Let me make another baseball reference for you. Oh, um, <laughs> they're gonna clean it up. They're gonna clean it up because they're. I mean, they Minnesota sat back, so I think the way that just the way that their offense is set up, they want to get out and run, but Minnesota just didn't allow them to. They still created chances when they got into the like that final third. Dane St. Clair had a workload and then some last night, and th- they led they led the league in free kick goals of any team throughout the regular season. We saw mm. them score off that corner last night. That was pivotal in that game. Um, I think they have the pieces, and Ferreira just got named the what young player of the year or whatever. And I think he's, I think that team just has the. This is not analytical in any sense, but they have the vibes. I I, I like the energy that Dallas is going <clears> to <throat> uh, throw out there. So I think they go to Austin, they win, and I think I think they beat whoever they face out you know, of that uh, that LA team. You know, Jonathan, I hate to I hate to you know defend AJ on this, but if if the Galaxy win and Dallas wins and Dallas is at home, right? Yeah, yeah. Then it could happen. It mm. could happen. I don't think it's really defending him. You're just helping him out. I'm You're just, giving him an out. I'm for just this saying, one. you know what? It's not that not terrible idea, but it, don't act like what I said was not realistic. Like it, it, it definitely can happen. I, I think. I it's... mean, there's a 25 percent chance right now that it happens. There's four teams left mm-hmm. in that yeah, conference. Yeah. You're not making books at Vegas, are you? <laughs> oh, God, no. Not smart enough to do that. No, you just. I don't really that. care to gamble that much. <laughs> no, I. I just don't see Dallas. I think they're honestly the weakest team in the rest Western Conference. Based off what we saw last night, based off basically the book just being out there, how to not let them score on you. Sit back, make them break mm-hmm. you down, and counterattack them. You look at the rest of the teams in the Western Conference, they all have the pieces to counterattack the hell out of a Dallas team. You have Austin FC who have the most potent attack, or the what the third most potent attack in the entire league in the regular season. They've got speed to burn. In the counterattack, they can do it. Their defense is a little shaky, but they can do it. Uh, you got LA Galaxy who can do it with Rookie Pooch guiding that counterattack. And then LAFC, you know they have defensive p- abilities to to sit back. And they have the speed with, or they have the ability to play smart counterattacking soccer with Carlos Vela and uh, Chicho Arango and Gareth Bale if he wants to play correctly in that system and help the team out, which, you know, all stats pointing to from the regular season that they're better off without him, which I know everybody except AJ on the show is not surprised about. So, <laughs> so wait a minute. I, wait a minute. I think AJ so, never so tell me. Tell me they have a zero percent chance. Tell me <laughs> they have a zero percent chance. Who Dallas? Yeah. No, I'm not going to say that. But I'm just saying I I think they're the weakest team in the Western Conference. So, but AJ even says Dallas yeah. from the West against who in the East? 
Oh, it's Philly. Okay, so we agree, Philly. What about you, Jonathan? I think it's absolutely Philly in the West mm-hmm. or in the East. And like I said, I don't trust LAFC as far as I can throw them right now until they can prove that they can do it in this kind of format. Yes, they've got Giorgio Keeling, who's like a master at tournaments, but can he play an entire game? Probably not at his age, so you need to rely on that defense without him at times, and that's going to be tough to do. I'm going to say if LA Galaxy get past LAFC this weekend, it's going to be the LA Galaxy out of the West, and that shocks me considering how they were playing at moments this season. They were firmly out of the playoffs before, what, six weeks ago, and then they stormed themselves up into a fourth-place spot. Very nearly lost that on decision day, but they they handled their decision day well and got a 3-1 win and host a playoff game, and now if they can get past LAFC, I think I think they could be the team from the Western Conference. Greg Vanny's got playoff experience with Toronto. He's won this tournament or he's won MLS Cup a couple times with, or at least once with Toronto. So I trust them over anybody else in the West right now. All right. Philly versus LA Galaxy. What a weird title game that would be that no one expected, at least from the Western Conference side. But that's kind of how this season has been is just, uh, just a crapshoot in the West with teams performing like they weren't supposed to and teams, uh, yeah, just Seattle not being in the playoffs throws literally everything <laughs> off, it feels like. Seattle. <laughs> Screwed everything up. All right. So let's get to the final week of the predictor. We're not going to make any predictions here that will go on the score sheet We uh, since this is our last show of the season. So we'll wrap it up. Let's uh, do an accountability wrap session and up. see how these scores ended up. Uh, AJ, let's start with you this week. You said last week LA Galaxy would beat Nashville 2-1. to one, Good pick. And they got a 1-0 win. So you get a point there. But since your points count double, it's a two-point uh, performance there for you. You said NYCFC would beat Miami 3-1, but it was 3-0 NYCFC, so you get four points on the week. That boosts you up to 26 points, I believe, on the season. Congratulations there. Dan, you said this week LA Galaxy would lose to Nashville 2-1 because you had it originally 2-1 LA Galaxy, but AJ said it before you, so you had to change your pick. Probably a bad idea to switch the winner of that one anyways. Um, so you don't get a point there. You said Minnesota would beat Dallas 2-0. Yeah, that didn't happen. AJ, you said they'd beat Dallas 2-1. That didn't happen either. Um, but you did have an interesting result, which I'm questioning how to score this. What? You said 3-1 Austin over Real Salt Lake. Oh, yeah. The final score in regulation in stoppage time was 1-1. Penalty kicks ended 3-1. AJ, do we count this or do we say 1-1 is the final score? Ooh, and but he doesn't it's, get the no, point but it's here. not a final score. What are you talking about? No. What do you mean? How did it... If it's 1 1, then nobody won. What's the official final score of the match? Go to 1 1 with a 3 1 win for Austin. 3 1 win for Austin. That's what I heard. 3 1 in penalties. So I'm... this is why I'm questioning you whether can't to pick give you the a tie. point or not. You can't pick a tie in the playoffs. Hey, I pick penalty kick points. Well then, well, then wouldn't it have to abide by that? Wouldn't yeah, you? probably. But I just wanted to throw it out there for some conversation on the final predictor. Yeah, I don't know. This raises oh, well, an interesting point. Was it not 2-2? I'm looking at the MLS side right now. Yeah, it might have been 2-2. I don't remember. But either way, yeah, it, it ended in a tie, so that means you couldn't get that one right unless you predicted a shootout win. 3-1 penalty kick win. So, which you didn't predict. You just predicted 3-1. See you got the penalty kick part. Give a shit meters correctly. down to about zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we won't give you the points. So you get no points on the final week. Dan, you pulled a Dan. <sighs> ah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I said it would be a one-nil Minnesota win. Uh, it did not 
end up being that. Homer. So we all got the Minnesota result wrong. You're a homer. I said it would be a 4-3 Real Salt Lake penalty kick win. Uh, it ended up being 3-1, as we just discussed. But I did say... Wait, 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 S- wait. You picked two in a penalty kick win. Real Salt Lake. So I didn't okay. get the point there. Uh, but you wouldn't have gotten it anyway if it didn't go to penalties. Right. If it didn't go to penalties, well, I wouldn't have got it. That was a stupid pick. It was a ballsy was dumber pick. Than, so I that wanted was to go dumber for than it. mine. <laughs> I don't care. It's the final week. I had like okay, a 10-point lead. I didn't go care. I, forgot, I was playing with house money. I forgot I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to do some editing on this episode. Uh, just enter, just some insert some loon calls over that. Uh, I did predict, going back to my FC Cincinnati pick, that they would beat New York Red Bulls 2-1. And thanks to a stoppage time goal by Brandon Vasquez, it was a 2-1 wow. FC Cincinnati win at New York Red Bulls. So another two points for yours truly, bumping my score up to a season-winning 44 points. Dan, you came close. You got 37. AJ, you got 26 on the season. So predictor goes to the host this season. Boys, better luck next season. Want to get to write that down? <clears throat> yeah, it's going to take yeah, a while. The, should I go get, no, I go get a sandwich? <laughs> we don't have 18 things coming off the board oh, this week. Uh, oh, good. AJ, let's start with you. Let's start sure. with your accountability session. You said Luis Amarillo will not or will score against FC Dallas. Well, he didn't get a single shot, as we've already discussed, so you don't get a point there. Dan, you did say yes. he wouldn't score against Dallas, so smart pick there. You get a point. Uh, AJ, you said Dane St. Clair will record five or more saves against Dallas. Nice. Wow, very prescient of you. That was good. You got uh, eight saves on the evening, a massive game for Dane St. Clair. And then you said less than three lower seeds will win in the first round of the playoffs in a response to a Dan pick um, from earlier in the show. So you get a point there because uh, only one lower seed, I think, won, and that was wow. Cincinnati. That's surprising. Weekend. That's really surprising. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that means AJ gets another two points. You are up to 14 goals this season. Dan, for you, you had a couple things come off the board. We'll start in the red column. <sighs> you said Austin FC and Montreal in two different picks will both lose in their first round of the playoffs. They both won. You did say there will be three lower seed wins in the first round of the playoffs. That didn't happen. Nope. You said there will also be two or fewer clean sheets in the first round of the playoffs. <clears throat> and I believe there was three <sighs> clean sheets. I suck. So... You don't get a point there, but you did say, as I mentioned already, Louis Samaria will not score against FC Dallas. And then you said a loon will not score a hat trick in the regular season or playoffs this Thank year you. in response to something I said Thank you. a couple weeks ago. So you get two points on on the week. You know, so that bumps you up to 27 goals on the It's season not so game. bad being wrong and making bad picks, but when you string them all together like that, it just feels bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I like it. I think I felt listing 18 incorrect yeah. picks off last week. It's fun. <laughs> All right. So then to me, I took the lead into this weekend and I believe I kept it because I said uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, the one thing I did get wrong this week was a loon will score a hat trick in the regular season or playoffs this season. Didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, I did say though, Emmanuel Reynoso will score against FC Dallas and he lashed one home a belter of a, a goal. That was, in the playoffs that was a once nice again pick. from him. Yep. And then I said, there will be at least two games that go to penalty kicks in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I was sweating bullets because <laughs> nothing was going that way until Austin and Rail Salt Lake went there. I'm like, okay, we got our first one. We just need one more. I was really hoping to God it wouldn't be Minnesota, yeah. FC Dallas. But then New York City just manhandled Miami, so it didn't happen. So I'm like, well, I guess it's got to happen. It's got to happen. we got to do a penalty kick uh, game or broadcast. So and then it happened. So I get the point there, bringing my goal total to the season to 32. So I win by five goals this season. Plenty still to come off the board. So uh, there's – I don't think actually there's enough to overturn that. 
left on the board for you guys. So it looks like I'm going to wrap this one up this season. So that just ended with me boasting about myself for the last five minutes. I'll cut. All right. That out. was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed that. How about you, AJ? <laughs> Yeah, yeah a lot not what fun. I meant for it to happen. By the way, who who stole all the crap off your wall? Uh, I had to move to the kitchen today because we're doing this in the middle of the day. So he's in the kitchen. In the kitchen. Let's call that in the kitchen with Jonathan. No, nope. no one wants that cooking <laughs> show. I don't Jonathan. want that cooking show. Here's how to bake everything completely <clears throat> wrong and get yourself salmonella poisoning. <laughs> All right, boys. It has been a fun season, a long season, a fun yeah. season. We'll be right back here, I believe, coming up next February. So sure. uh, it won't be too long of a break. Enjoy the World Cup, I'm sure. Uh, AJ, Let's I know AJ cool. and I, now that we work at home, we'll be able to watch every single game of the World Cup. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be super fun. You'll Dan, uh, enjoy you get, waking you up. Get, you guys will get nothing done. Yeah. Well, <laughs> tough yeah. luck to our works, I guess. Oh, USA. See, I got the flag yeah, over absolutely. my shoulder there. I got my flag up. So there we go. There you go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, it's been fun. I will uh, we'll keep in contact throughout the off season, but we'll talk to you then, uh, whenever the season gets started next. And Loons fans, thank you for listening all season long. Uh, keep up to date with everything that Minnesota United does over on their website as well as Twitter. We'll keep you updated as well over there, uh, boys. We'll talk to you later. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.